listening to the Necropolis podcast, which is brought to you by Jason from Goatcraft and Shelly from HateMeditations.com and Metal Legion Magazine. Welcome to Necropolis. We are back in action after a little hiatus. Um, job had been uh, quite demanding with a lot of windshield time, and uh, eventually uh, it did allow me to uh, get some rest with uh, some hybrid work. So I am well rested now, so hopefully I don't stutter and step on myself and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, uh, it's been a couple crazy months, you know, trying to get my uh, everything in order. But uh, we do have a great episode for you today, and we have uh, someone I personally know uh, rather well. Uh, we have Brian Malone from the band Shadow Legion. Uh, thank you, Brian, for coming on. Uh, thanks for having us. Really yes, appreciate sir. it. So uh, a lot of people may be familiar with Brian. Brian was the lead guitarist of the band Diabolic, which was, they, they made a lot of waves in the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, Kind of riffing on like uh, the style that Morbid Angel had, but making it a little bit more accessible. Um, but uh, what really stood out in Diabolic were the leads. Um, there were some like really cool groove types of riffing in there too, and kind of abstract, you know, takes on the the Morbid Angel formula. And they were like latecomers, and when you're considering like the uh, the Tampa scene with uh, you know the death metal greats coming out in the '80s and all that, but Diabolic. Um, they definitely etched their name pretty firmly into the death metal pantheon. And with that, uh, Brian's guitar work came to the forefront and just, you know, completely just took the world by storm for a while there. And I personally have viewed him as being one of the best uh, lead guitarists in extreme metal. So it's a great pleasure to have him on today. So his new band, Shadow Legion, they just came off their uh debut album which is an eponymously titled shadow lesion and uh with that they did uh kind of diverge a little bit from the the death metal format that diabolic had instead of being straight up death metal in the tampa style um we have some black metal riffing here and there that are reminiscent of uh uh bands like hate forest and then we also have uh, some heavy metal influences there. Um, honestly, like the if you take the heavy metal side of like dissection, which I would say like the the core of dissection is, you know, rooted in heavy metal with a lot of black metal aesthetics on top of it. That's kind of what a uh, shadow lesion has too. It's like that's kind of the approach that they have with their take on heavy metal and making it darker and blacker and deathier <laughs> so uh the the debut album is quite lengthy and starts out blistering you know like death metal black metal but then it actually goes to a core of like heavy metalness and with that the vocals get a little softer um in the heavy metal style rather than you know death metal uh growling screaming and black metal uh, vocals um, and what emerges is what I, I tend to believe was uh, should be called like dark metal. Um, Serpent Ascending, they did um, explore a similar path with their 2022 album, uh, Hyperborean Folklore. And I, I really think it's like a returning to uh, your roots as a metal enjoyer, having that heavy metal influence in the band. Correct, Brian? Yeah. Um, we just kind of uh, like to 
not put limitations and, and just let the creativity flow. And this is kind of what come out. Um, it's pretty interesting. I was, it wasn't an intentional thing. It was just kind of letting the, the creative flow, uh, come forth. And, uh, as it was progressing, we're like, wow, we're onto something a little bit different here. Hard to do. Um, metal's been around for a long time. We've all liked the various forms of metal that are out there. Um, but really just, it was pretty organic how it came together. So it wasn't deliberate. It's like, hey, I want to have you know, traditional heavy metal sections in these songs that just naturally came out? Yeah. Um, to go back a step to be a little more accurate, um, Dan Venturino, the bass player, um, I had moved almost four years ago uh, back to Pittsburgh from Tampa. Uh, Dan and I have been friends forever. And he just made a comment, hey, let's jam. And I said, sure, sure, yeah, let me let me get moved in and all that stuff, and maybe we'll jam. And um, then he was, he had a little bit of a vision. He suggested, hey, let's jam. He's like, I don't know, man, maybe we can do some vocals like Forbidden or something. We can find somebody like that. Again, that'd be interesting. Lots of blast beats with some clean vocals. That's, that's kind of an interesting theory. And, uh, so I just had my two guitars at that point. So I, had to, I bought an amp and we started jamming, collaborating on some things. And um, it was starting to be pretty interesting right away. And I'd never really written with clean vocals in mind. So I was leaving some space for melody. And there was a little bit of, I wouldn't say intention, but it was in my mind that, okay, we're, we're kind of going to have some clean vocals involved with this. So I wanted the music to stand strong and support that and uh then as we're working on this dan introduces he's like hey i know a guy um he's he's pretty good his name's kyle healy kyle come over he we, we played some jams for him he instantly liked it and we gave him a an arrangement to work with and he came back in a week with lyrics and melody lines and yeah, I was like, whoa, we got three different voices going on here in the song. We have a death metal voice, a black metal voice, and some cleans. And he has a really unique clean style. Um, it's different. It's not, you know, Jeff Tate or Halford screaming. It's, uh, it's pretty unique. So I said, this is kind of cool. So we just proceeded and carried on with it that way. And, uh, yeah, Kyle's an, an amazing addition because he pretty much you know, just take the lyric and lyrically and vocally, he fits like a glove to the music. It's just a really good writing relationship. Um, I'm very, very happy with the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not typically into like traditional heavy metal, or I'm not even in like I. I came into extreme metal um, later than most people. I mean, I was super young. I was you know 10 years old, but. Um, back when I was 10, I, I bypassed a lot of the classics and went straight to death metal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, black metal came when you know, I was a teenager and all that. But, uh, um, so I never fully got fully entrenched into like appreciating just straight up, like, you know, King Diamond and things of that nature. But I, I you know, I do love extreme metal and you're figuring it. But what, what I, what I heard with the Shadow Legion album, you're talking about how, diversify the vocals are 
which they are very diverse. It's very uh, interesting experience. And it really does paint a great narrative too, because you're, you have these fluctuation of, you know, vocalizations. Plus you can understand what is being said. So they are articulating the words, you know, very clearly where, um, so, oh, wow, that's cool. So yeah, shadows are part of, you know, our, you know, our existence. We are part of the shadows and it is part of us, you know, because we cast shadows. <laughs> and it's like, oh, those cool little lines. They're able to actually under, understand things. And, uh, but the, the, the clean vocals, they never become like, way flamboyant like you find in power metal or you know even like health word like you said like uh you know he goes with those crazy highs and you know it's it's rather restrained so people who may not be in a clean heavy metal vocals they may be able to you know withstand um some of the clean vocals on this because they, they are restrained in you know the the ranges it's not going all over the place and you know it becomes into an opera or anything like that. So yeah, the, the vocals definitely is, I put it on and I heard the first track and I was like, okay, yeah, this Brian's back in form. He's doing extreme metal, but then the track after that, it's like, oh, wow, like, this is you no, know, not what I really expected, but that's what I really love about, you know, listening to new music coming out is not being spoon fed the same thing over and over and over. You're going to have a genuine, you know, unique experience while checking it out. And not to mention the, you know, you've been in the game for a very, very long time. You know, you had Diabolic and you had Omniety for a bit with the the four song demo that came out and uh, which I, I love a great deal. I actually posted that on YouTube because I didn't see it there anywhere. But, uh, um, and, uh, you know, so I became really familiarized with uh, the types of riffs that you create and, and they're always really well thought out, uh, well executed. Um, and you let them sit there for quite a while. I and mean, you did this even back in Diabolic, um, even early Diabolic, where you, you let the, the songs have a lot of space, essentially, to have different types of vocals go on them and, you know, just present like a narrative experience rather than like a, a DSI lesion, which is, you know, fast repetition. And then boom, you're on to the next riff, and then boom, next riff, boom, next riff. Um, you let the riff sit there for quite a while so we can absorb it. Um, so is that intentional or just natural to you when you're, you're writing songs? Uh, a bit natural. There's a place for both. You know, um, there's there's times where you get in and get out. It really is just what the song dictates, like what the song needs uh, and calls for. Um, and you, as, as during the writing process, you write things out. You don't know how the vocals are going to set, you know, until they're, they exist. And then, yeah, we can cut this part down. We can add another line here if we need it. We kind of just massage it to get it to uh, where we need it and where it feels natural. Uh, most of it is, is feeling like, yeah, this, this, I want to, I want this riff to say, to introduce itself and then, like you said, let it sit and be absorbed. Um, it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's more of a feeling of how it goes. And then the vocals would dictate the rest of the arrangement. I see, and we're we're kind of uh, skipping across. You know, the the main thing that really stands stands out to me, of course, you know how buried the album is. But honestly, there's like a riff in there that I swear could have been like a hate forest riff. You know, some of the most abrasive black metal out there. And then, uh, but what what we've kind of skipped around, we didn't get really get to yet, is the lead guitar work. Holy shit, man! Like I've always loved your guitar work. You know, when you're doing solos and. That's what I loved most about Diabolic and, of course, Omniety. You had a 
you had Belial you were jamming with an Omniity, and you guys would trade solos like you do a solo, then he would come after you to do a solo, then you would do another solo, then he would do another solo. And that is here. And some of it seems like even more refined, like on the first song. Um, it really seems like uh, um, like one of the best solos you've ever written. That does rival like uh, the mastery of Trey Asgoth, um, you know, like right up there at the top um, supreme level of extreme metal is where you're able to find like these types of solos that are put in there that are like a microcosm of the song like they're there you have your song you know with all the riffs in it then you have a solo which is like a song within itself with how it unfolds and you know and, you know develops and all that and your your solos are there for quite a while so we're able to hear it and you know how it comes out and develops and we're able to see exactly as like oh wow that was very wonderful um with you know how expansive the expression was um so honestly like how the fuck did you get so good at guitar brian <laughs> just to be blunt well yeah thanks first off for the for the great words and the, um the honor being uh compared to trey uh the guitar work and the creativity that comes with it the um yeah this time around i really um in the past there's a lot of chaos and fun and whammy bar and and dive bombs and all kinds of stuff. And there's a place for that. And there may be a place again, but it, it's just, I really, uh, I mean, you know, music's an expression and you just want to express the, the emotions involved. So you just, you get, get your head in the right place. Everything's shut out. You're, you're just in creative mode and you're, you're just, you know, in the, the big picture of the song, you're thinking, okay, what, what can contribute here? Not just to fill space, to communicate to say something so i don't know i never really want to figure out the science of music creation i just want to let the magic flow um you know magic is just science that hasn't been proven yet so um i've talked to other musicians who are you know theoretical masters and classically trained and that's great and that's awesome they have this this vocabulary and and knowledge um yeah, and I, I never really, you know, did any of that. I'm self-taught. Um, I don't know if I'd be better because of it or not, but all I know is I got what I, I'm working with, what I have. And I don't know that I want to figure it out at this point. I just want to, you know, let the energy flow. I see. So uh, no theory. That's interesting. Like Trey Osgoss, I don't believe he was ever trained in theory either. He just naturally picked up guitar and became very um you know intuitive for him just to play the way he does and has a i guess he would have like an intuitive type of theory um not you know like academic or anything like that just what works with what and what what he's trying to express and he intuitively knows how to you know approach that and i would say the same about you 100 percent um so it's more like beyond you know the the classroom is more just like part you know gut bacteria you know and it's like how it feels and all that and you know beyond uh thinking like okay we have to do circle gifts and things like this nature but uh um it's really interesting you're not actually schooled in music theory because uh, i think some of the solos like even without the riffs and drums and all that behind them they would sound good in isolation, like just by themselves. Like, you know, you have like Trey Esgoth on, I think it was Formulas Fails to the Flesh, 
where he released like the Love of Lava stuff, where oh, just random guitar solos. And I think you could do the same with some of your wow. solos, like just release them as bonus tracks all on their own because they stand on their own. I mean, they're they're wonderful. And and the the way you're able to pick up the the tempo and the, the cadence with the riffs underneath them is just really wonderful of how you're able to capture, you know, the the expression that you're trying to convey and very masterful display of virtuosity um, and this wonderful listening experience. Everyone listening to this podcast needs to check out The Shadow Illusion, which it came out on the 9th, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it came out just brand new. It's on Spotify, YouTube, and all that. And just check it out. Um, you know, of course, it, there's going to be snobs out there who may hate, you know, that there's like heavy metal vocals or things of that in there. But like I said, it's, it's rather restrained where it's not overbearing. So like the extreme metal purists say, like, oh, there's clean vocals. I can't listen to this. No, give it a try. The guitar work is amazing. The vocals, like they're tastefully done. You know, they're not going all over these crazy registers and just becomes a, a display of singing. It's not like that at all. Um, it's very organic, like you said. That's uh, a good descriptor for it. Um, and it was, and the riffs are there for quite a while, so I think it's really accessible um, in general because, like you said, people can absorb the riffs because they are extant for you know, prolonged periods. Um, so it's really great that, you know, able to talk about the, the lead guitars a little bit and it's one of the reasons I, I believe you're one of the best guitarists out there in extreme metal is because of the solos. Like, holy shit. Like, and become because it's coming from a, an intuitive place, um, and it just makes it even more better. So you're not there cognitively thinking as like, okay, I played this note. Now I have to go up here and play that note. Like, Ingvet, even Ralph Santola, I would say, you know, did it like that, where it was all brain and little soul, essentially, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, that may, that's an academic approach to it. Um, though, listen, there's, there's a lot of different styles of guitars. There's a lot of different methods and how to get there. And there's a lot of amazing shredders. Um, you know, I just focus on what I can do, how the best I can do. Uh, how can I serve the song? How can I do the best in this moment? But thank you for all that. That's, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's an honor to hear that. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into things and uh yeah it's nice when when people enjoy it and they enjoy it at the level that you that you are so um the the album and the and i agree with the vocals too it's not over the top it's not too much and it's it's dynamic like and that's a good description for the the album you know i i wanted to make sure i sent you a download of the whole album because the body of work is it's pretty diverse it's pretty dynamic but it is one band and that's that's a little hard to pull off to offer a lot of different um a lot of different offerings rather than um just you know sticking to a formula and just keep pumping it out uh that's a little easier i had done that in the past and <clears throat> excuse me and uh you know it's just much more interesting as a musician and in and a creative force to um have have some dimension right it's you know um diabolic was i'm proud of the diabolic years we we accomplished enough um towards after the third album we kind of got formulaic and a little bit 
two-dimensional i was thinking i was thinking it was that, like vengeance ascending that was like paint by numbers diabolic you know um is it okay that i said that that doesn't hurt your feelings oh no no not at all <laughs> but what I, what I thought was really interesting is uh infinity through purification and that album i don't believe received good reviews but what i liked about that is a lot of the groove riffs were cut out and you did explore a lot more um with different types of expressions um and I, I think even though the album is a little experimental, I think, you know, it is kind of correlated a little bit to that Shadow Legion where you are exploring all these, you know, different forms of extreme metal and, you know, heavy metal. Um, but um, with uh, the Infinity through Purification, I, I definitely see like a lot of different influences coming out and, you know, just in like death metal um, where I think if you would have kept Diabolic going a little bit, um that could have been molded into like a brand new type of expression that's coming out and i really do like that album i would say it's honestly my favorite album by diabolic because it is more daring um supreme evil has some good catchy songs and i think people are just got really expecting diabolic to be catchy and by the time you know vintage sending came around it was like the epitome of the catchiness but uh um with uh, infinity through purification uh it's kind of like Let's like remold the picture. Let's, you know, let's approach it with, you know, renewed vision and, you know, let's, you know, see what else we can do. I know you had a uh, Eric Hurstman from uh, Hate Eternal at one point. He's also in Geigen. Geigen's his main band. Um, he was part of that. Yeah. Did, he, did he contribute a lot to? Yes. And first, it was what you said of uh, a departure. It was actually very intentional. I was, I had reference to it. It's like, yeah, we got a little two-dimensional. We're getting a little stagnant here. And creatively, that was just getting boring. And um, even the new the new work we were working on, uh, me and Antar jamming at the end there, um, it was just a little bit, little bit stock. It was just like, here's a riff, here's a blast beat. I was like, there's not too much um, substance here. And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. And... Uh, those are kind of throwaway riffs that I did hear later somewhere else, but that's another story. But um, back to Infinity, that was uh, very intentional. It's like, okay, let's let's have a uh, let's write an album with some depth, you know, not let's just break away from that formula. And Eric Hersman, uh, yeah, we wrote that album together. Was, I think we even like counted out the riffs. It was a 50-50 split. Uh, that was a total collaborative work. And we kept elements of Diabolic, of course, and uh, my riffing style and songwriting and the arrangements. <clears throat> and uh, was pretty happy with the end product. And then the the reviews for that were even understandable. Like, whoa, this isn't Diabolic that we know. This is something completely different. So, Well, I, you think, know. I think you, you spoon-fed, like with Vengeance Ascending, you spoon-fed the public of groove riffs and that's going to hit like the, the lowest common denominator, um, you know, type of metalhead. Whereas, Oh yeah, that's catchy and groovy. Yeah. I could bang my head to that easily. But with infinity through purification, you just came out and just like threw everything that was, you know, already established, you know, it's a formula and it's like, no, we're going to fucking, you know, just shred and just, you know, be experimental with it, see what we can create. And, there's there's parts on it that's like okay this song sounds a little bit like Cannibal Corpse 
or a little bit like uh, even like Deeds of Flesh, like the closer sounds a little bit like Deeds of Flesh, but there are, you know, a lot of different like expressions going on in there where it seems like you're, you're a tree putting down new roots somewhere else. And it seems like, you know, some of the roots are being nurtured more than others with the soil and, uh, and with that, like some of them, like vengeance or vengeance ascending was complete, like, you know, just groove oriented album. At least in my opinion, it's like, that's just the diabolic formula. It's not bad in itself, but I do feel like, you know, that's just really like for the, the common denominator of the metalhead, but, um, Vengeance or uh, Infinity through Purification. That seems like it was trying to be something. And with that, it, I think if the band kept going, I think a new type of expression could have come out, which would have been, you know, completely its own type of expression. It's not referencing any other bands or sounding like any other bands or sticking to a specific formula. But um, anyway, like I was, I was contrasting that with the Shadow Lesion. And I, I, I kind of see the same happening with the Shadow Illusion, where you do have all these influences from all over the place, you know, from extreme metal to heavy metal. And the, the thing about it is, like, your guitar riffing and songwriting skills are so great that um, you're able to pull it all off. Like, most musicians, are, they usually stick to one subgenre because that's what they know, and they really can't do much else outside of that. But... Um, so with the Shadow Legion, um, not not only do you get phenomenal leads that are up there with Trey, in my opinion, um, like I have a Trinity in my head. It's uh, the, the Tampa Trinity back when he lived in Tampa was uh, you, um, Brian Malone, Trey Asgoth, and Jarrett Pritchard. You guys were like the Trinity <laughs> of uh, death metal riffers and lead guitarists for me. Um, well, thank you. And I, I, I know we hung out, you know, quite a bit um, right after I got out of the Air Force. But uh, um, it was always like I felt honored to be in your presence. Like I, I love you know extreme metal and being around one of the, the most talented guys in it was really a great experience. And being in, I, I christened your your jam room. I remember uh, I went to Omnity practice and I spilled beer. <laughs> And oh, yeah, that's I, was, right. I was so like, oh my God, they're going to hate me. And like, no, you're just like, thank you for christening our room, Jason. I'm like, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but, uh, but anyway, the, yeah, the Trinity, at least in my like intuitive, like really phenomenal guitarists, um, you're in that Trinity that I had back then. Now that you're up in Pittsburgh, I don't know if I can say that anymore, but, um, maybe I have to find a new Tampa guy. It's like, okay. Who's in here, Brian Malone? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I, I felt really privileged back then just being around you and all that. And uh, of course, Belial and the other guys on the ADA were great too. But uh, um, I always kind of viewed you as a little bit higher with the virtuosity. Um, but going back to the Shadow Legion, and all these different elements are on display from all these different subgenres, and it's all done so well. Um, that everyone should check it out. It's a really great listen. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about Romneity, what happened with that band? Like there is a four song demo that I think it's sure. really cool. Um, and actually I did have a question about Shadow Legion first before we uh, we go to Romneity. Why did you decide to do an album rather than a demo? Like 
I know you're self-releasing uh, the debut album, but why didn't you try for a record label, the demo, or anything like that? Well, the thing, the, the, these songs happened re- relatively quickly. Once the once the uh, floodgates were open, um, all of a sudden it's like, oh, holy shit, we got eight songs here, and we just kept writing. And then it was like, well, yeah, here's another one. This one's really cool. And then it was like, wow. We got another one here too, so I just have a full album's worth of music, and um, it was like, wow, this is these are these songs at this time. I didn't want to have separate releases; they were kind of written in the same time frame, and I think um, it was wise to release them all at once because it's hard to tell the story of what we're doing with three songs uh, because of the variety and the dynamic uh, journey that we're that we're portraying um so it was more just like decisions in real time like okay well here's all these songs they're done let's uh let's record them and get them out there um and these days with technology and uh the recording capabilities um it's not like you you need a major budget from a record label um though i you know, I look forward to having better production in the future. I'm happy with what we did. Everything's great. And I think it sounds pretty powerful and representative. But, um, you know, there's always room to improve for anything. I always want to keep progressing in that factor. So, yeah, it was just that the songs existed. And I think they go together. That to answer your question in the short form. I see. Um, that's interesting. And so you're self-releasing it. So... That means it's all DIY, essentially. Um, that it's all coming out. You know, you're doing everything yourself. Are you don't feel jaded with record labels or anything like that? That's why you didn't try to go for a label. It's just that you thought that there was so much content, um, you know, such varied content that you th- thought it's like better release it all so people could have a broader understanding of the band rather than a couple snippets. Is that it? Yeah, it's more. You know, it's more about the music and and uh then a business strategy um not jaded with labels um you know obviously they have huge marketing power to push things and get them out there and i'm not against working with labels um you know with discussions and we threw it out there for a few and um just a couple of things and we just got to get to work you know we gotta we're shifting to you know can you hear me better now Yes. Um, so the three songs. Okay. Yeah. The three songs that I kind of had put out there uh, for industry review and, and checking us out an introduction. Um, even with you, I said, yeah, let me send you the full album for the, cause you really got to listen to the whole body of work to get what we're doing. It's hard to, it's hard to represent what we're doing in, in just three songs. So all those factors come into play. I think to to tell the story properly, it was just had to be released as a full length. I see. So you completely bypassed, you know, like the the power of record labels and deep pockets <laughs> and marketing and all that, just to get out your what you think the the album you know represents. You didn't want to send like little snippets and all that. So it, it makes sense. Um, uh, I, I think you are, you know, in a different type of league. 
um, than most people who self-release their own music. Um, I think you could be signed to a, a Century Media or Nuclear Blast or Season of Mist or something like that. But, you know, it sounds great that you're able to, you know, get back into it and jam. And it doesn't seem like, you know, that's your priority is just a overnight it's like boom you're on a big record label and you're doing you know scheduling tours and festivals and all that um it sounds like more just like doing what you love not turning it into like a business machine or anything like that um so you had done some pretty substantial touring with diabolic what was your experiences like with that um do you see yourself doing that ever again like with shadow legion it's possible. We're definitely going to uh, support the album. Um, we're going to be booking some shows in the near vicinity, and as we get the machine rolling, yes, we will uh, hit the hit the bigger markets. And we're looking forward to playing many festivals. Um, and just like a record label, if the if the, uh, the table set properly, yeah, it's a consideration uh, if a touring opportunity comes up yeah it'll warrant discussion and uh we you know we're all loving the music we're all feeling it so nothing better for a musician than to get out there and deliver it in a live uh setting with this huge exchange of energy going back and forth with the uh with the fans and the musicians uh so we're all you know very excited about that and um yeah and like i said the record labels talk to us and uh want to join forces moving forward um business is business even in the sense of not going out of pocket and covering expenses just to deliver the music um the more support you get the more you can do and we want nothing more like to go go jam and and have live performance and and perform this um to you know a group of people who will enjoy it and we would certainly enjoy that. So, you know, as the, you know, as the snowball grows and, and proceeds and grinds on, there'll be more opportunities and we're looking forward to, uh, to all of them really. Yeah. Just to chime in on that about labels covering expenses. Um, I mean, there, there are probably labels who would do that regardless. Um, but you have to get a competent label. Like, you don't want to label, you know, releasing your your album with a like typos or the layouts wrong or not <laughs> positioned correctly or, or you know stuff like that. You want like someone who's actually competent at what they're doing, not you know your your micro little small labels, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's also like you know we have you know with this album I just put together, we have recording, we have product, we have songwriting, composition, we have the product, we have manufacturing. We have graphic design, we have distribution, you know, it's like we can, um, the rest is marketing. So yeah, for us to consider, um, uh, a contract with, with a label, it's like any other business decision. You just look at it from many angles and you try to create a win-win situation for, for both the label and the band. And like I said, I'm not opposed to any of that. It's just at this moment, um, we want to get it, the music out there and we want to get the technology is great. We want to get moving on the live performance front. We want to start creating the waves that we anticipate creating and having fun and, uh, you know, enjoying 
delivering the music out there? Yeah, I think there's, you know, a great freedom with self-releasing your music. That means you can do whatever the hell you want and be able to do that. But having, like you said, the marketing and all that of a pretty, you know, decent label, um, that also works wonders, too. I mean, I guess your music out to more people, you know, that you're in getting reviews all over the place. More people are checking it out. Um and so when you do go out and play shows, there's, you know, more people there. Um, so having, you know, you know, there's pros and cons to both sides. So you have the the independent side where there's essentially free reign over what you want to do. And then you have the the decent label side who um, they can do the marketing and all that. But they might try to dictate. Like I've worked with some medium-sized labels and they chime in on creative decisions, like with the presentation and all of that. And um, so you might have to compromise in some format with a, a, you know, a decent record label, at least. Usually it's in the type of uh, vein or vibe that that label's trying to go for, like their specific demographic of extreme metal. Um, you know, it could be, you know, more abstract, avant-garde extreme metal or, you know, visceral, you know, bestial war metal or, you know, whatever it may be. Like they have their own niches, niches, and uh, and with that, um, so they try to dictate, you know, what comes to them that they're releasing to kind of fit within the mold that they've already established. So that's interesting. Um, so with Diabolic, um, I think it's a great travesty that the band stopped and was reformed, but it wasn't really a Diabolic when it reformed. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? What happened like after Infinity through Purification, uh, Diabolic has stopped, correct? Yeah, yeah, we can we can talk some history. Um, yeah, so you're for timeline purposes, we had finished the European tour with Behemoth and Destroyer Six Six Six, and uh, come back from there and. There was there was a, a pretty pretty sizable rift with uh, with Antar, the drummer, um, and he's you know he's a unique guy and he's he's not uh, we worked together for many years so we figured it out but he's not the he's not the easiest guy uh, to work with but we got a lot done and we figured it out for many years but mainly after. Um, that tour it was a, it was just performance or just musical performance like i was very frustrated of how it went in europe um so that's when then we parted ways at that point um i said i'm done working with you um, and just moved on from that point so we eric and i were writing the infinity album as we referenced earlier um we're bringing in musicians and things like that and um, you know, we had a great guy from France, uh, Gail Bartholomew. Um, this guy sent us a demo from France and said, I can do it. And we worked really hard together. We put that on together. He recorded it. He did a great job, but he's in France. So there's a little, some logistical issues there. And, uh, he had trouble with his visas, getting into work. There was just a lot of things coming towards the end. So I, I had made the decision that, um, it just to put it to rest at that point, uh, Infinity was a great album. It was a good album to end on. 
And so that's where it was. And then, um, you know, soon as that was common knowledge, um, Antar clamored for the band name. And there was a, you know, some drama about that, whatever. But um, after a couple of years, I just kind of let it go. And, um, you know, just kind of whatever, do, do what you want with it. Um, wasn't verbally said that way, but in my mind, it was just like, okay, at this point, whatever. So Diabolic was ended. Yes. And I remember being in Tampa in 20, 2006, and there was a little magazine being distributed called Rivet Rag. And um, with that, uh, Antar, you know, reformed Diabolic, and we got like these statements from you and Antar and all that. And essentially what, what my, you know, innocent eyes had seen <laughs> was that you had declared the band dead. And with that, you just wanted it to remain dead because you were the primary songwriter. And a, a guy who was kicked out of the band reformed it. Um, so that made, made uh, this new diabolic, which was actually a really good musician. So I think Jesse Jolly was in it. And Jesse's been on this podcast. I love that guy. Um, but uh, he was in it. Um, and Kelly um, from uh, Unholy Ghost and all that, Pessimist. Mm -hmm. he, he was in it too. And so Antar, you know, he rounded up the truth because the Diabolic name was a commercial successful name to have. For a band and i know like entire like he probably probably felt slighted being kicked out but um but still it's like him reforming like having a guy who was kicked out of your band reform the band after you declared you know that's it and you being the you know, primary songwriter that makes it fraudulent that makes it illegit i mean that's that's stealing essentially but uh so i was curious about that um, because I did look on Wikipedia and I saw that Antar and Kelly are two contributors to that Wikipedia page on Diabolic. And there's like a the one of the biggest write-ups about a band I've ever seen on there to make it seem like they are legitimately having the band name. It's like, oh yes, you know, we did this and this and this. Oh, the reviews were bad on Infinity Purification. So we brought the name back and we did it better. I, honestly, like I heard the uh, the reformation of uh, Diabolic, the illegitimate version. And even though there is, like, you know, Kelly's a great guitarist, and you're not going to get anything, like, le legitimately bad from him. But it does not have, like, there's something special to you as a songwriter where it is very intuitive. It's just not, like, I get, like, the color by numbers, you know, extreme metal from Kelly, um, that's you know how I perceive a lot of his stuff, especially that new pessimist. He posted some like new songs that he was working on, and it was like the the most cookie cutter stuff I've ever heard. But I'm not going to go there. But uh, um, there were it just did not seem like anything really special. It was just like extreme metal by the numbers, and, and well, that's that's kind of where I went. Like time will tell, you know. Uh, Tom will just tell with that scenario. Like, uh, to be accurate, the songs uh, written in uh, Antar had a lot 
of involvement with the writing and the arrangement. Uh, we would riff out and the beats would come and we would arrange it together. And there was definitely a, a guidance in a, um, uh, of the direction. Um, and there was, you know, lots of debates on what, what we can do and should do. Um, but that's okay. That's part of being in a band and being working with creative people. So he, there's, you know, there's some ideas and there are others, there's other ideas. And, I just thought time would tell at the point, like, okay, there's a clear delineation of this era of that band and this era of that band. And yeah, you can plug and play a lot of great musicians in there. Um, to be completely accurate, Mantar's one that came up with the name. And he that was some of his claim was like, well, I named the band. I should have the name. It's like, well, a name is just a word until the work and the energy goes into it to make that name worth something. So the value of the diabolic name was worth something after a lot of work and many years and a lot of uh, energy input. And not saying he didn't have some of that as well, but it was just bigger than why I named it. I should take that name. And of course, you hit the nail on the head. There was a, a very good commercial value to that name. And, you know, I just kind of thought legacy, just leave it lay. It's yes, the Infinity album was a... Um, a departure an intentional one and that is even understandable like whoa i didn't expect this this is not what i wanted to hear from diabolic i wanted to hear this one <clears throat> excuse me and uh so i get it and i say okay and this it was there's a lot of other factors involved at that time when we put it to rest and i said okay cool there's a legacy of that and yeah i was at first i was angry like no i don't want to ruin that legacy we actually did some good stuff you know, I don't want you to, uh, somebody told me, Brian, why don't you just let it go? I said, well, sure. But, you know, he's like, I know it's like your dog died and you buried it. And I said, yeah, now somebody's digging up the bones of my dog and putting strings on it and puppeting, puppeting it around. And, uh, you know, I was very angry back then about it. I'm way over it now at this point. That's kind of history. And, you know do what you want but the circle back to the thought is like yeah time will tell and there's a there's a clear difference from the different I, eras of that band i don't know if time will tell if there's a deliberate effort to make it seem like it is a super authentic reformation of the band well yeah, wikipedia i mean they've deliberately edited that to make themselves seem authentic that the band with them is 100 percent authentic and that you were putting the band into the ground and all this and that they brought it back to life when in reality anyone with discernible ears can hear you know the 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 differences like you said um but when there's you know misinformation out there like that it, it just it just kind of distorts the picture and what you have is like a, a circus mirror interpretation of uh what actually transpired and so i did i did want to talk about that on the podcast because I know this is old shit that we're digging up from 2006, but I always felt that you were wronged in that regard. Um, and I, I wanted to set the record straight, um, you know, to all five of you listeners out there who's maybe <laughs> never even heard of Diabolic. This is what happened <laughs> with the band uh, back yeah. then. But, uh, um, yeah, just to set the record straight a little bit, I know if this makes us rounds, which it could, um, that, you know, it could come back and bite us in the ass, you know, just like, you know, people who uh, are trying to continue that diabolic thing. But 
Honestly, well, so I'm I'm too old. I have gray hair now in my beard. Like, come on, man. I, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna do the Joe I've, Biden. Come on, man. Yeah, I've been way over that for for a long time, and I see, you know, they can Antar can grab some musicians and they can play a show here and there and do their thing, and uh, it doesn't bother me. I was I've been way over it, and you know, I took a, I took a break and. Uh, you know, kind of reclusive, very reclusive for some years and just, uh, just took a break and got away from that. It was, you know, it was very negative at the end. There's a lot of energy, uh, a lot of bad energy with that. So I removed myself and, um, coming back to this, there was a point where I was like, okay, well, I'm done with that. And, um, a really good friend of mine moved from Pittsburgh to Tampa named Bilal Koblak. Yeah, Bilal's been on this podcast. Plus, I was roommates with Bilal at one point. Yes, he, you know, he's there, and he's like, "Let's jam." And I said, "Sure." So this is post Diabolic. I'm still down in Florida, and that's what turned into us just jamming and writing music. Uh, he's a great guitarist. I was excited to to work with him. He's he's very very good guitarist, and we work so well together. I had no idea because we have really different personalities, and you never know what's what's going to happen. But it was very cool, and we were writing the songs and. Um, Pat Butcher came down from Pittsburgh, another old friend of Belial's. Uh, he worked with in Lethal Prayer, and he he moved on and joined. Like, man, he's a great bass player and vocalist. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, Diabolic's old drum tech was in town, and I was like, wow, he's a killer drummer all of a sudden. He's been playing for these years. So yeah, Omnity just kind of happened. It was a group of friends. It was a lot of fun. It was a it wasn't uh, as business. It was just let's just write music rehearsed it and we played some shows live and put out the ep and um that was great that was a good experience you know we i, I enjoyed what we did i think we did did some good quality stuff towards the end of that um you know to answer a question you may have not even asked but uh a couple things happened uh diabol um, i'm sorry Balau got the uh, opportunity to work with nocturnus ad and um we were like yeah man go for that and at the, the other time at the same time i was uh, shifting jobs and schedules were getting crazy and i was a little bit still not um i don't know if healed's the word but over the scene and over um that negative impression i had towards the end of the diabolic years i was a little, a little burnt out just say and it just kind of naturally ended all on good note. I asked the guys, do you want to record the other songs we did to get them out there? And it just kind of went, nah, we'll just do this. We'll do that. And it wasn't that. Um, it was all casual. I was like, okay, cool. We're all good friends. Everybody's friends. And it's all good. But it was a cool experience. Uh, I really like working with Belial as a guitarist. He's he's a killer. Yeah, Belial's an interesting personality. Um if anyone's ever met him, which probably a lot of you have because he makes his rounds, but, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, like for a while there, he was nicknamed beer Lyle because of how much <laughs> he put it down. And, uh, yeah, very, uh, interesting guy. Um, great friend of mine and yours as well. And, uh, yeah, great things to say about him. <laughs> and I still like, I still receive texts from him, like just random memes and stuff like every other day. <laughs> And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I see that, yep. And, uh, um, yeah, great guy. And Omnidia was cool as hell. Like, I, I thought 
you know, honestly, it was you know a great departure musically from Diabolic. It sounded nothing like Diabolic, but uh, it did have your leads, and your leads are very distinctive. Um, so it was great to hear your leads over a different type of format, and I would say it was like more traditional uh, underground death metal sound that was going on there, and uh, you know, it was a great leads on top of it. You and Bilal treading them both, so it was great to hear that. And seeing it, yeah, remember, I think I went to like four or five rehearsals. Um, it was always cool to hang out with you guys and you know drink beer and all that. And then uh, that was right after I got out of the military too. So I was like hungry, hungry, hungry for metal, metal, metal. And like those, you know, I went to Clearwater. Ralph Santola wanted to work with me before he died, and all this you know stuff. And then. I decided, hey, move back to Texas. My my home is there, so that's why I'm back in yeah. Texas. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, the the, the trading lead with Balao was a lot of fun. Trading leads, he has his own style. I have my own style, and and I agree that it was it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, that was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah, I kind of see. Uh, not like the omniity riffing or anything like that, but I can see like the spirit is there because um, the excitement to just, you know, jam out and have fun and, uh, you know, just, you know, great metal um, is there in that shadow lesion too. Um, especially like you're, you're not far removed from lethal prayer, it seems like omniity had a lethal prayer guy or two guys from lethal prayer and, uh, Shadow Legion has a guy from Lethal Prayer, so that seems to be uh, you know still in your circle, um, which is cool. And all those guys, if you're playing in Lethal Prayer, you're very talented. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, I kind of I kind of feel that you know you you put you know how diversified the album is, and it sounds like you're having fun with it. I mean, it's it. Me knowing you personally, that's what it sounds like. Other people is like, oh, this is, you know, just really diversified extreme metal. But me knowing you, I can I can tell you're having fun with it, and especially now that you actually are trying to get you know online presence to promote it and you know share it around a little bit. It's like I, I think you're having fun with it too, correct? Absolutely, yeah. That's that's the big difference now is that um, where Diabolic had its magic moments, and we did a lot of cool stuff, and. Uh, we earned it. We worked hard, and you know, there's there's always struggles within bands and relationships and and things like that. But overall, we did some cool things, and we should all be proud of that. Omni was a fun project for its time, um, and then I took a long break. Uh, Eric Hersman said, "Yeah, you got like I don't know, twelve, fifteen years worth of create creative energy built up in your body, and it's just pouring out." And he's right. He's right. I. Um, like I said, when I open the floodgates, here it comes. I'm excited. I'm excited about every riff. I'm excited about every arrangement. And um, it's very cool that, you know, that's one thing. And then Kyle comes in with his vocals and his, his uh, we work so well together on these, writing these songs with his lyrics and melody lines. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's like, wow, that's another facet on the diamond. You know, that's not me. That's him. He brings a lot to this. And, and Dan's an amazing bass player, very heavy. Um, I can't wait to take this live. And on that note, the uh, Alex Cohn's an amazing drummer. He, 
he was a session drummer for the album and then at that point it was like wow it's kind of a project we can fly him in and do some shows here and there and um we have a drummer that can do that but he's a busy guy he's a professional musician writing books and really an amazing drummer and he just lives in the world of drums and i was like okay well as things progress dan a uh, bass player somehow miraculous i would say miraculously but we found a drummer local who has the chops and uh who we now have a a uh, local drummer that's a permanent member of the band, Matt Hoyer. So now we have the ability to play many shows and take this out, and he will be a member of the band henceforth. Um, he just, he's feeling the music, he's loving it, he's doing an amazing job. So, um, yeah, we look forward to, to taking this live. We're just about there. Um, actually, not confirmed yet, but we're working on shows and, um, like literally any day here we can have our first show booked and announced so there'll be some announcements coming on that i'm trying to hold back and tell you not tell you who it's with yet but that's okay. some cool stuff together you can tell me offline um just i had a question um you, you label the music as dark metal extreme dark metal what is your interpretation of dark metal well there's a like I really was just pulling adjectives out that I thought described what we were doing less than defining a genre uh, that way. It's extreme. It's dark. It's can't say it's death because it's not straight up death metal. Can't say it's black. Cause it's not straight up black metal. Say black and death with clean vocals. I just thought that it's extreme. It's dark. It's extreme dark metal um, because that's just a sense of it's, it's a, it's a theme from beginning to end of the album. There is a, a, a all-encompassing darkness to it um so coming from the dark side as we do that's just kind of what happened so i don't know that like you listen to many different things and you're involved and you do podcasts and you're much more involved in the the industry the scene whatever than i am you're more qualified to determine what that would mean than i do i'm just was pretty much just describing what we're doing and not really, you know, because I always said, what are they going to call us? Really? I really don't care. Let's just do what we do. Let's be creative and do our thing and, you know, try not to pigeonhole ourselves with labels, um, but not be a band that has 10 different songs that sound like 10 different bands either. But so, yeah, to answer your question, I don't know, uh, dark metal, if it's obviously it's, you know, a lot of minor scales and, and modes and, and keys, I guess. Uh, it just has to have a sense of darkness to it. I see. Um, so what what I kind of gleaned um, from Dark Metal, which there's that band Eternus uh, from Norway. Um, they, they play, I wouldn't say it's similar at all. It's very different. But the elements of death metal, black metal, heavy metal are there. And then you also have a band, you know, Serpent Ascending, which I mentioned before, um, with the, the Hyperborean folklore. He's going into his influences just as a metalhead and digging up all the heavy metal influence that was there. And he was able to present it. It's very, he's not as crazy on the guitar as you are, but he's very thoughtful. And he presented essentially a 
uh, black and death metal, heavy metal album, like the Corey can tell is heavy metal. Um, and very beautiful in some parts. But uh, um, so what I kind of gleaned is, is something that people kind of intuitively on a level think it's like, okay, let's go back to our roots of a metal enjoyer, just being drawn to metal and heavy metal being a part of that while also including aspects of death and black metal. And with all the bands that I've just mentioned, um, there's Mephitis, which I think they're an outlier of the dark metal category, but um, uh, what all the bands have in common is that there are epic aspects to the music as well as like pagan-ish. Like you have references to Valhalla and all that, so that's pagan. You know, serpent sending hyperborean folklore. There you go, that's pagan all in itself. And Eternus is all pagan and shit. So those are what I was able to stitch together of uh the dark metal moniker. It's just like what all the bands share. Even though all the bands sound way different, they share these elements. And I think there's a lot of room to grow there too. But I think what the driving force of it is um being drawn to why you even love metal and a lot of that is going back to heavy metal um so having a he heavy metal influence in the sound does that make sense yeah it does it does cool 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 um so brian malone anything else you want to say before we wrap up today uh well obviously first thank you totally appreciate having us um super excited we're, we're very excited that the album's out and everybody gets to hear the music. That's what we want. We just want it enjoyed and um, I'll give it a try. You know, if you like it, great. If you don't, that's cool. That's how the world works. Um, and that's how, you know, music should be approached. Maybe you like some, you maybe don't like the other, but uh, we're excited to take it out live. Um, I think that's another level of Shadow Legion to be seen. Uh, it's going to be ferocious live. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having us, and thanks for supporting it. Oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll be there all along the way. I'll be on your journey with you, just seeing everything that's happening and, you know, hoping for the best for you guys. I, I think you guys truly deserve to get some major recognition. So um, I'll be I'll be monitoring what has, you know, transpired with the band here and there. So uh, great to have you on board. And I'm sorry that Shelly is not on the episode today. His baby did act up, and he would have joined if uh, um, he didn't have those newfound responsibilities of being a dad. But um, I do apologize to the listeners out there who wanted to hear Shelly today. Um, he will be back later, of course. You know, we we're playing on a whole bunch more Necropolis episodes, and now that things have you know smoothed out on my end, we'll probably be a little bit more steady of episodes. So I, I do want to thank Brian Malone, and I do want to thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.